0: And this is why I'm so open about the challenges that I've been through in my content because I want people to recognize that burnout is something that compounds over time. It builds up and a lot of the time we feel like we're immune to it, like it's not going to happen to me. And that hits you like a bus and it can take months, if not like over a year to recover fully. And this is why I just want people to start recognizing the signs and symptoms Mm. because... It is only a matter of time until it has a big impact, not just on your business, but your health, your family, the way that you feel, mm-hmm. and every other aspect of your growth
1: and life. Welcome to Push To Be More with me your host Matt Edmondson. This is a show that talks about the stuff that makes life work and to help us do just that today I'm chatting with my guest Byron Morrison about where he's had to push through, what he does to recharge his batteries and what does growth and more look like and dear listener, we're also going to get into his new book. But that's all coming up. Oh, yes. Now the transcript and conversation uh, transcript of the conversation and the notes will be available on the website pushed to be more.com Whilst you're there, make sure you sign up to the newsletter if you haven't done so already. And each week we will email you the links and the notes from the show automatically. They go direct to your inbox for free. No obligation, no hassle, no drama, it's just a great little service if I'm honest with you. Now this episode is brought to you by Orion Media which helps entrepreneurs and business leaders set up and run their own successful podcast. Why would you wanna host your own podcast? That is the question. Uh, Well, if I'm honest with you, I have yet to find a tool that is so good for marketing and networking as podcasting. Uh, I have found running my own podcast to be insanely rewarding, opening doors to amazing people like nothing I have seen. I've built networks, made friends, had a platform to champion my customers, my team and my suppliers And I think just about any entrepreneurial business leader should have a podcast simply because of the impact it's had on my own business. Now, I appreciate this sounds great in theory, just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? But there's a whole bunch of other stuff you have to think about, like strategy, distribution, production. I mean, the list goes on. And this is where Orient Media step up to the plate. They take all of that off you, so you don't have to worry about it. All you have to do is just talk to your guests. Oh yes, see I get to do what I'm good at, which is talk to people and Orion Media, take care of the rest. Love it, love it, love it. So if you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. So that's the show sponsor. Let's talk about today's guest. Byron Morrison is the author of a book, which I just love this title, Maybe you should give up seven ways to get out of your own way and take control of your life. Uh, He's also a mindset and high performance coach who has helped CEOs, entrepreneurs and business leaders in 15 countries become who they need to be to break through for the next level of success. Byron, it's great to have you on the show, man. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, see, I, I know you say that, um, but we were talking before we hit the button that you this is like the 80th podcast you've been on recently because of the book launch. Uh, and so <laughs> were you excited to be on all 80 of those podcasts?
0: A lot of them have been actually really fun. And going back yeah. to the message you were pushing in your kind of sponsored posts at the beginning, I, I've met so many incredible people, like mm. so many hosts of like helping with the book launch. I've had people where we keep connecting each other. I've referred clients to certain hosts, like other mm-hmm. people have been like sending me to other podcasts. So it's been an incredible networking opportunity and I've had so many fascinating conversations so, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to taking a little bit of a break from it. But it, it has been a great experience.
1: <laughs> so this is your last one, isn't it, on the tour? And, um, it's you... one of the last ones. I think we've probably got about five or six more. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Well, wow. it was Dominic Gurley who referred you to us. And Dominic has also been on the show. What a legend that man is. I really enjoyed our, our conversation. Um, so thank you, Dominic, for uh, doing that. And if you've not heard Dominic's episode yet, do check that out. It's on the push to be more uh, archived. Great conversation. So, Byron, let me tell you, well, let me start by asking you that my opening, my favorite opening question. Um, so you mentioned the podcast agency uh, in the script who helps, uh, Ori Media helps businesses, entrepreneurs, set up their own, host their own podcast. So if you did have your own podcast, and you could have a guest on your show from your past or your present that has had a big influence on your life. Who would you want to interview and why?
0: Yep. So for me, the if I was going to launch a podcast, the thing I would focus on is getting a host of pr- past clients. Mm-hmm. I, because I've worked a lot of incre- incredible CEOs and leaders from around the world who've just gone through this amazing growth and get them to come on and talk about their experiences and what happened behind closed doors to make it happen so i think there's a lot of entrepreneurs and founders who are really have great potential but they don't really know what's involved because i've had so many conversations behind closed doors that people can't even comprehend the challenges that have to be navigated so i think it'd be really interesting to do something like that just to really dive into it and just kind of pull out a lot of the golden nuggets to let people see what's actually going on and what's involved in the journey Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a good answer because that's predominantly what we do on this show. <laughs> we, just, we just get those people on the show and we ask them all kinds of awkward questions. Well, you're on now, we're going to find out. We ask all kinds of awkward questions about life. Um, but I like that uh, phrase, behind closed doors. That would actually, I don't know if it's already a name for a podcast, but that would be a great name for a podcast, uh, the Behind Closed Doors podcast. Um, so. If you, I mean, you've worked obviously with a bunch of past clients and some of the stuff that goes on behind closed doors. What would be some of the answers that they would give you that maybe would be surprising for people? Yep. probably the
0: biggest one is how lonely and stressful it is because one example of this is there was a client i was working with last year and i remember he booked an application call to speak with me Mm -hmm. i went on his linkedin it was all smiles and awards and everything looked like it was going incredible and he got on the conversation and he just completely broke down he's like over the last two years they would grown from a team of 10 to 150 they were about to double in size again he was like i don't know if i've got it in me He's like it's taken everything out of me. I was like, everything. Always, everyone always wants something. I'm exhausted. I'm I'm just burnt out. I don't know if I've got anything left in the tank. And he was just his business just felt like this mental and emotional drain. But for him, because everyone looked to him to solve their problems, he felt like he had to put on a facade and keep mm-hmm. up this act to the outside world because he didn't want people to see that his internal state didn't match his external success. And I see this across the board with so many of the clients I work with. They're always bottling it up and trying to just put on this brave face and the amount of application calls I've had with people where at the end of it, they're just like, I can't believe I've said that to you. Like I've never told anyone this Mm. and you can see on their face, like the weight of the world has been lifted because they finally just admitted how they feel. So few people understand like how lonely being an entrepreneur and running a business actually is.
1: Yeah. That's super powerful. Their internal state doesn't equal their external success. Um, I love that phrase that you use there. So, Why do you think it is so hard for entrepreneurs, for business leaders to acknowledge that they are feeling lonely, that they are close to burnout, that their internal state is not great compared to what's going on externally? Yeah, there's a few different sides to it. The first side is obviously
0: the superficial. When you've got social media and you need to put on this show of what's going on, like you want your clients and your customers to be like, oh, this company's doing great, I wanna go there. The other side of it is when people are looking up to you, if you've got people around you, if you've got the responsibility to provide and support to them, a lot of the time it puts that pressure on you that you have to have it all together, you can't Mm -hmm. show that you're crumbling. Because if your team starts seeing that you're suffering, they're gonna start worrying that maybe their job's in Japan, maybe something's Mm -hmm. wrong with the business, so it puts all of that extra stress. And then the third and probably most important one is people just don't get it. Like if, whether it's your family, your friends, the people around you, unless they've been through the situation that you're in, they're not going to understand. Like their intentions might be in the right place and they might care, but they're not going to get the drive, the stress you're under, the huge pressure to perform and deliver. So a lot of the time it's easier just to hold it in because you don't want to burden them with what's going on. But also Mm. even then, like anything they say is just like they mean well but they just don't fully get what you're actually going through.
1: Yeah, super powerful, Manning. If you, I mean, I kind of know the answer to this question, uh, just simply because we were talking before we hit the record button, but you yourself have experienced burnout, Right. Yeah, I've been through it a couple of times in my business. And
0: I remember one time it got so bad where I'd been pushing for months, if not years. Like I was exhausted, but I just—I was my own worst enemy. I kept telling myself, I've got so much to do, I can't slow down. And I remember the really scary point was I'd gone to visit my parents one day. I just went, took a break and went for coffee with them. And I was driving home and I couldn't remember if I'd missed my turning. Like I said, such bad, bad brain fog. I was just driving down the motor and I was just like... I don't know if I've like missed the turn. I've gone past a hundred times. And that for me, was like this panic started to kick in. It was like, if I don't do something about this, like I'm going to end up in hospital. hospital. Yeah. Like, it was just like my health was suffering. My energy was down. Like by like 2, 3 p.m. most days, I just have to like lie on the couch for a bit because I couldn't focus. And I pushed myself so far that unfortunately, my body was just fighting back. It was like, you yeah. have no choice but to take a break now. And this is why I'm so open about the challenges that I've been through in my content because I want people to recognize that burnout is something that compounds over time it builds up and a lot of the time we feel like we're immune to it like that's not going to happen to me and that hits you like a bus and it can take months if not like over a year to recover fully and this is why i just want people to start recognizing the signs and symptoms Mm. because it is only a matter of time until it has a big impact not just on your business but your health your family the way that you feel Mm. and every other aspect of your growth in life
1: yeah it's it's so wise but and What would you say then are some of the sort of early signs and symptoms that people need to watch out for, for burnout? I mean, how, because it's very hard, I think, to understand that you're in it, (coughs) excuse me. And most people I know that have experienced burnout say to me that it wasn't until it all started to go very wrong that they realized that they were in burnout. Um, but looking back, some of the signs and symptoms, they should have noticed what they were. Um, so what, what, what would be some of those signs and symptoms? Yeah.
0: So a lot of it is a change in the way that you feel. Like, are you struggling with energy? Are you less focused? Are you having difficulties concentrating? Are you struggling to make decisions or having brain fog where you forget things? Um, Are you just losing motivation and not wanting to do things? Because that in itself is also a big red flag that burnout's kicking in. So it's just becoming aware that something's off Mm. and... Like I'd love to like throw like a really useful strategy that anyone listening this could use because one thing I do with my private clients is I track um, what's going on on a day to day basis and part of that I use a traffic light system so a green day is a day like a. Everything's flowed smoothly, everything was great. Amber is stop start, it's kind of not great, low energy, but fine. Red is like the day you're unmotivated, you're exhausted, complete catastrophe. And what we do is we keep a snapshot of that where we track it every single day. Mm-hmm. And what that allows us to do is take a step back and be like, okay, what's going on? Because if you have a running period of three ambers and reds in a row, or even five, then that's a sign that something's going on. You can be like, okay, what's happening here? Am I not sleeping as well? Is my diet off? Am I extra stressed? Am I pushing myself too hard? And you can use that to recalibrate and be like, okay, I need to take a step back. I've had a whole week where my energy has been down. I need to course correct before it gets worse. Because as you said previously, most people just hits them out of nowhere. Whereas actually if they're tracked and monitored it, it's going to be a compounding thing for months at a time where they're going to have those amber and red days. They're going to be tired, just struggling to get through. And then it just gets severe. So that's why i'm a big advocate of you need to take time to just look back and reflect and be like okay what's actually going on how am i feeling and then when it's bad commit to tackling it not just convince yourself you have to push through
1: yeah no i love that i there's the, something about that daily monitoring isn't there that you um you know you, you're talking about the the old saying aren't you how do you uh, if you if you throw a frog into boiling water it'll jump straight out but if you if you slowly boil the frog, he'll, he'll, he won't realise the temperature difference and will boil it. It's not actually true, by the way, but um, it's a saying that we've used for years. And just t- regularly monitoring the temperature around you with something like a traffic light system, I think, could be the red, amber, green thing could be super. It almost sounds Byron like that should be an app. You know that at the end yeah. of the day, it should I should be able to on an app just go yes, it was red, amber, or green, um, and and that app just sort of tracks what's going on. Um, or are you a bit more of a spreadsheet kind of a guy? I'm curious how Um, you track it. uh,
0: Well, with clients, I've got a spreadsheet tracking form that I use and basically it's got a set of questions where they check in daily of like the challenges they went through, what threw them off their game, things that we need to address so I can monitor it. But then we also have three tabs, one for their productivity, their energy, and then their focus Mm -hmm. so we can monitor it every day. So that's why it's in a spreadsheet. But I've also like in one of my books, I suggest people wanting to use the traffic light system, you can just do it on your calendar if you want, like you can drop a pin, like red, green, yellow, like you don't need. So if you want to do it in an app, you want to do it on your calendar, like it doesn't matter. Mm. Or you can even do it in a notebook. It's just like, what are you going to stick to? So I do it for clients in the spreadsheet is then I can look back on a macro level of what's going on long term. But if someone wants to start doing it themselves, just think like, what is the thing that you can be consistent with? Mm. because that's what matters
1: most. So when you experienced burnout yourself, um, and it sort of came and sideswiped you, you know, sort of took you <laughs> uh, a little bit left field. Um, how did you recover from that? What were some of the, the strategies that you used to, to emerge from that stronger than when you went in?
0: Yeah. So with burnout, what I found is there's three things that we ultimately need to do, because a lot of the advice out there is just take a break. And that might work for normal people in a job. But when you're running a business, like you could take a few weeks off, but you're going to come back straight back into the same situation. Things aren't going to be unchanged and you're just going to go revert back to how you felt. So the first thing you need to do is reconnect with what you're doing. Like myself included, but also a lot of the clients I work with, because they're so stuck in the trenches and just trying to get through the day, they lose sight of why they started. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're just so focused on survival that it's just a drag to get through and this is why we need to take someone back to a foundational level of what excites them to get out of bed in the morning has their why changed with the business pivoted is what is actually going to get them to want to show up And this is why I always advise people, take time every morning, just look at your goals, reconnect with why you need to show up. The second thing that we need to do is create the right routines. So for me, this was really figuring out, okay, not just working from 7 p.m. till midnight. Like I needed to have structure in my days where I could prioritize self-care, I could get the right amount of sleep, I could look after myself and protect my energy. And just looking at everything from how you start your day to the things you do throughout that really allow you to release stress and actually feel at your best. And then the final one is setting the right boundaries, not just with other people, but with yourself. Because as entrepreneurs and business owners, we are our own worst enemies. Like we push ourselves too hard. We don't know when to like call it a day. And we always convince ourselves you need to do more but you're never going to catch up. Like yeah. a to-do list, as soon as you tick things off, there's going to be more things. Yeah, yeah. So you need to really get that <laughs> idea of, okay, when is enough enough? Mm-hmm. And be at peace with like, you're in a marathon, not a sprint. And yeah. it's all about longevity. So I found, yeah, reconnect with your goals, focus on developing the right routines and then set the right boundaries to actually follow through. And that can go a long way in helping someone
1: feel more in control. That's really good. Super practical. So what are some of the routines that you put into place? Because obviously everyone's goals are going to be, different so reconnecting with your goals while you're doing what you're doing um for me I I like to use the word purpose you know your calling is another good word isn't it it's it's it feels quite deep it feels quite like this is in my soul this is who I am kind of a thing um but in terms of routine and structure what were some of the things that you found worked super well for you
0: yeah so one of the worst things I used to do is first thing in the morning, I just pick up my phone, I go straight into my email, look at like what needs my attention. And there's never anything good there. Like it's always <laughs> fires, problems, or people wanting things from you. Yeah. So the problem with that is you starting your day in a reactive state where you're already stressed before you even begin. Yeah. So that's why the first starting point for me was like finding a routine that eases into the day. And a lot of people that I speak to are really surprised by the fact that, I, as a high performance coach, I do not have an hour long morning routine. Like mm-hmm. a lot of like the advice out there is like you need to do all of these like meditations, all this stuff. And that works for a lot of people great. For me, it doesn't. Like I just need 15 minutes to get up, get a cup of tea or coffee, take the dog for a walk, get some fresh air, come in, plan my day, figure out the key things I want to get done, and then I'm good to go. Mm. So, The advice I always give to people is you need to figure out what works for you. There is no perfect morning routine. It's all about what actually gives you energy. The other things we're looking at throughout the day, what do I do to step away? Because when you're just running a business, it's so easy just to sit there for 16 hours and not stop. So I've built in different things like going for a lunchtime walk to get some fresh air and disconnect from technology, making sure I'm going every single day to the gym and just make there's no access to any work there so I can mentally unwind. Yeah. taking time in the evenings to like, I enjoy cooking. So again, getting off technology and just preparing Mm -hmm. a nice meal and then having set times to end and not check email during that period. Because again, what I was doing in the past is before bed, one of the last things I would do is check my email and social media. It's like, is there anything I need to respond to before I go to bed? And all that would do is put me straight back into work mode. So I'd then lie in bed, unable to sleep, worrying about stuff that needed to get done. So a lot of this sounds really obvious from the outside, But you'd be amazed at how many people just don't do it because they're just so pulled into what needs to get done and that's where they just get in their own way
1: yeah i i love it i love it i love this phrase you used ease into the day i'm a big proponent of when you look at nature there is a cycle to the day there's a there's a sort of a dawn and there's a dusk and it's not it's not digital it's not like life goes along and then boom all of a sudden it's it's nighttime there's this transition period we call dusk it's a sine wave it's not a you know an on off thing but for so long i was living my life as like it's on off i'm work now i'm off and i just I, my body and my brain just needs to switch off and it just would it, sometimes it would do it so quite often it wouldn't and it wasn't until i got into this rhythm which says right See, I'd be a proponent of having a morning routine and a nighttime routine, just something which transitions you from the day into the night, you know, your sort of your dusk, or something that transitions you in the morning, you know, your dawn type thing. And I think it it works really well for me, um, this whole idea of just taking a period of time which transitions you, which eases you from one state to the next, which um I think I, when I looked at this, um, when I was researching it, I think dusk lasts like seventy minutes, something like that. Just having a routine for about an hour, seventy minutes, which transitions you, which usually means cutting out blue light, so not checking your email and your um, and your social media, for example, made a big difference to my to my mental health. If I'm honest with you, yep, it was exactly the same for me. That was why,
0: like, the non negotiable transition in the evening is like turn off the phone, shut down the laptop, put it in a different room, and then have that t- period where work doesn't get done. Mm. And it's like whether that's 30, 60, 90 minutes, it's such a big impact on your mental health because otherwise you never switch off.
1: Yeah. You're just
0: wired like every waking minute, just thinking out what's going on. And yeah, I'm a big, prop- like, like you, I'm a huge proponent of having something that eases into your evening and a form of routine, but you need to figure out what that looks like and then hold yourself to it but like there's so much stuff you could do during that time Like, do some like light yoga some stretching you can read a book meditate spend time with your family like whatever it is just don't look at screens or technology and if you are going to read a book don't read a business book like read something that's not going to make you think about work
1: (laughs) yeah definitely i learned that trick I, i needed to read novels you know that's when i started getting into jack reacher and and just easy to read novels that um that didn't really require and this is no disrespect to lee childs who wrote jack reacher um but you know novels that didn't really require massive amounts of brain power on my part to process um but you sort of got sort of rolled into the story really now that's that's super super powerful so maybe you should give up is the title of your book so just tell us what the topic of the book is what's what's the book about yeah. so Just to be clear, the book is not about giving up
0: on your goals and dreams. Instead, it's about giving up on everything that's holding you back from achieving them. Because ultimately, I found from working with so many people from around the world is that we are the biggest barriers in the way of the success that we want. We listen to that voice in our head that causes us to overthink, to doubt ourselves, to self-sabotage. So the book is all about getting out of your own way and breaking Mm. through those mental barriers so that you can finally take control of the life that you want.
1: So, what are some of the ways maybe you talk about in the book that how do we get in our own way uh, is a question I'm, I'm asking here, Byron. Yeah. So,
0: one of the biggest ways that this happens is, as an example, fear. Like section two of the book is all about why we avoid the things that we know we need to do, um, whether that's failure, judgment, rejection, that like worry that we're not going to be good enough. We get stuck in our own head and then don't take action. And this is something i see all the time in entrepreneurs and business leaders Mm. especially they don't pick up the phone to call that potential client because they're worried about getting rejected they don't want to kind of launch that new project because they worry they're going to fail they build up all of these mental stories and it keeps them stuck Mm. so it's all about figuring out like what's actually holding you back because if you don't overcome those mental blocks you're never going to reach the growth and success that you want So Mm. I think that's something that every single one of us deals with in one way or another. But a lot of the time, we don't even know why it's going on. We Mm. just procrastinate. Like I've been working with a guy recently who his business had got stuck and he was just spending his days just scrolling through Instagram and watching YouTube videos and doing busy work, convincing himself that he was being productive when actually he wasn't. Mm. And when we really broke it down, like the reason he wasn't getting traction is he'd had various different setbacks and he was just afraid of like more people were going to reject him. Like more clients were going to potentially say no, so he just shut down. But he, because he hadn't taken the time to think about it and process it, he was just convincing himself that what he was doing was important when actually it's what was holding him back.
1: That's uh, <laughs> It is funny, isn't it? Because it, you, the limiting beliefs or the limiting fears, um, maybe a phrase that I would be used to um, You know, when you would sort of hear conversation, you'd hear stuff from like Brian Tracy and stuff like that, Nightingale, Conan, you know, the the sort of the fears that hold you back. They're still there, aren't they? They're still the most common things that mankind struggles with is this sort of fear, this limiting belief that they're not good enough or that something bad is going to happen if they do something. But it's hard to articulate, like you say, and that causes this procrastination. And, And it's not until we sit down and go, why am I not doing this? and start to dig into that, that maybe you start to uncover it, right?
0: Yeah, well, that's the first step in that section. The second way, and this is one of my favorite things to do, is to reframe the fear, to figure out, like, you have to tip the scale in the other direction. So let's say you're sat there right now and you're afraid to pick up the phone to call potential clients because you're worried you're going to get rejected, So instead of focusing on that, we need to shift it to something that's more painful. What's going to happen if you reach the end of your days and you look back, never having achieved your goals? What happens if you reach the end of the month and you haven't made enough revenue, you can't provide for your family? What happens six months from now if you have to close down the business and you can no longer make an impact or help people? Mm. Like if you make the pain of what's going to go wrong more painful than what you need to face, then all of a sudden the fear of not doing it outweighs the fear of what could go wrong and it becomes Mm -hmm. easier to follow through. And a lot of the time, it's just taking that first step. Going back to that client example that I gave a minute ago, we just had to push him to start picking up the phone again. Once he got on and he realized that actually, if he hears a no, it's not a big deal. It's Mm -hmm. just him like going through the process. But a lot of the time, as soon as he heard that first yes and got some traction, his confidence came back and he felt like he was back into his old self. So it was just building up in his mind, it's this catastrophe, and he was making it up into a far bigger deal than it actually was. Mm. And this is why a lot of the time you need to recognize that the life that you want is on the other side of that fear, but until you start pushing yourself to face it, you're not gonna move forward, and you're gonna stay stuck.
1: Yeah. The life you want is on the other side of that fear, I think is a great phrase, and I, um Uh, It's so true, so true. The things like that that hold us back. It's interesting how you talk about reframing it in a more negative light. So um, this is the pain of doing the cold call. This is the, let's reframe that and look at the pain of if you don't do them, you know, what's gonna happen in terms of losing the business, not providing for the family and so on and so forth. I've never heard it put like that. Normally people try and reframe in a positive light. Yeah, the reason why I went the other direction is
0: Reframe me in a positive light is great, but also it's easy to then talk yourself out of it be like, yeah, but, and it's like, I still don't want to face this because it's uncomfortable. Like, I know mm. that that's the potential payoff. I know that by pe- like picking up the phone here, I can potentially get all this stuff in. That's great, but it's not a big enough motivator, whereas mm. actually this is what I'm going to miss out on because we all do far more to avoid pain than we will to find pleasure if you're looking at, okay, this is what's going to happen and you see all the see the reality that you're heading towards, that can be, I found, a far bigger push to actually get someone to follow through. So, yeah, I think while reframing the positives is great, I found it it's not as effective as going the other mm. direction. And I'm mm. all about positivity. Like, I don't want to like kick someone while they're down, Or but it's like this is one of those things. It's like we need to find what like, drives someone and mm. then nail into that and push them to actually follow through with it.
1: Yeah. No, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. It's, it's kind of making me think of, there was one time, Byron, where I was feeling particularly sorry for myself. Um, I had had quite a significant accident, um, with a table saw and I'll spare you the gory details, dear listener, but me and a table saw, we didn't see, uh, eye to eye for a little while. And, um, and I had a bit of an accident and I was, I remember sitting there in pain, feeling sorry for myself and um, I remember, I remember watching. An, I'm going to date myself here. I was watching an episode of ER, which was a hospital drama pre Grey's Anatomy. That's how long ago it was. Um, and I remember uh, one of the doctors being. The whole episode was about him being a volunteer in a hospital in Africa in the midst of a war zone, I think, or something. And I just remember looking at that, going, "Yeah, I can feel sorry for myself, but really, it's there are definitely." you know, there are definitely people here who are are a lot worse off in the world than I am. Um, I don't know if that's a good principle or not. There are some people who will say, well, you should, you know, just live in the pain of what you've got. But for me, it was super helpful to put it into some kind of context that actually what I'm seeing and experiencing now is nowhere near as what it potentially could be. It's not the end of the world. It's just we're at 5% out of something that could really reach 100%. We're not at 95%, Right. Um, and i i just found that actually really helpful this sort of so a bit like you making it more negative in a lot of ways really helped me get out of this feeling sorry for myself stupid that i was in um after my accident
0: yeah it's going to come down to like what works for the individual but there's a key caveat to what i'm sharing as well like the ultimate thing is like what can you do about it because a lot of people the reason why they get stuck and i'd I'm going to use this term, loose sleep at victim mindset where they're feeling yeah. sorry for themselves. And they, a lot of that is because they're dwelling on the past. Yeah. They're looking at their situation and they're feeling bad about where they are and they're being themselves up over mistakes or things that went wrong or things they don't fear think are fair for them. And all that does is take that focus and energy. And yeah. that's why the book is all about shifting that from, okay, you can't change the past, but you can change your future based on the actions you take in the present. Yeah. So it's all about stopping to recognize, do not this is the situation I'm in regardless what can I do about it? What Mm -hmm. action can I take to empower myself to turn it around? Because this is where so many people just get stuck in that headspace because they're just living in the past or they're living in the future worrying about things that could potentially go wrong. Mm -hmm. So it's all about just bringing it into the moment and be like, okay, this is what's going on. This is the way the cards have been dealt. What do I need to do to move forward? Mm -hmm. That in itself is incredibly empowering. Like when you take that moment, just be Mm -hmm. like, you know what, what do I actually need to do about this? Like what action can I take like that for a lot of people could be exactly what they need to
1: let go of the past and move on. Super empowering, isn't it? And I I I'm as you're talking, I'm hearing um a chap called Ram Gidimall in the back of my head who came on the podcast, he's a friend of mine, um, who was an immigrant uh from India in the nineteen sixties into Uh, London it's not not the place you want to be Uh, (laughs) uh, from India uh, it, it was not a healthy place to be and there was a lot of circumstances that he had to deal with and live through that I'll never have to face but when you talk to him and listen to him he said the one question they kept asking themselves is what can I do okay so this is what I can't do I can't change racism overnight in the UK where I live so what can I do uh, and he just kept asking that question, asking that question. Well, their, their family built, I, I genuinely can't remember the amount of money that their, the family built, the, the built a business worth hundreds of millions from memory. And um, but it was all based around this question. What can I do? And st- so just looking at that simple question removes, it doesn't stop you being a victim. It changes your future, though, isn't it? It changes your future relationship to, to what happened in the past.
0: Yeah, and that's yeah. It's such a powerful question, and it's something that we can all do because it. And the other like side, I put to it as well is like, what worked for you to overcome that pain? Like that's fantastic that that helped you shift your perspective, but for a lot of other people, I would never want to dismiss what they're going through mm. of just getting them to be like, "Someone else has got worse." Stop feeling sorry for yourself, and because then that can make them feel even worse about the situation they're in. They're like, "I'm being such an idiot. Like, why am I feeling this way? Like, when someone else is suffering?" So that's why I'm just such a big person, like advocate of being like, "Okay, what can I do about this? Like, this is the situation I'm in. Mm. I'm feeling this way. It's completely justified. I've had a knock to my confidence, or this has gone wrong." But knowing that, how do I move forward? Because a lot of people become stuck for years. Like I remember like a really dark period of my life where I was like really depressed. I was really down. And Mm. a lot of it was just focused on getting in the day. And I was just so focused on my situation and how bad it was that I wasn't doing anything about it. Like I was just trying just to survive. And it was only when I just took a step back, I was back, okay, what can I actually do to get out of this? Like how can I turn it around? That was how I broke through. Like that gave me the like belief that things could get better but it wasn't until i fully embraced that that i could move on and that's why i've got so much empathy for people who are struggling because like i've been there i know how difficult it is when yeah. you feel knocked down and you're just trying to get through the day and it's a big part of the reason why i do the work i do to try and be that person that pushes people to be like do you know what regardless of what you've been through like you've survived 100% of your worst days and you're still here. So you will make it through this, but you've got to make a decision to do something differently, to take a different Mm -hmm. action and finally start going after what you want.
1: Yeah. How do you maintain that kind of, um, because if you're in a position where you're constantly knocked down every day, that becomes harder and harder to maintain that, that, that belief that actually you can make a difference, that you can change something, doesn't it? Because you feel like you're constantly being knocked back.
0: Yeah. It's, this is part of the reason why I believe you have to be a special kind of crazy to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> because you're essentially <laughs> signing up for a life where every day you're gonna get punched in the gut and have to get up. Because you can have your best ever day and still mm. there's gonna be stuff going wrong. Mm. Like it's every single day, you just have to get adapted to it. And I think this is why so few people are cut out for running a business because they just mentally and emotionally can't deal with it so some of the best advice I always give to people is knowing when you just need to step back and walk away because at times we just get so pulled into it and we're just like everything's going wrong and I had this with a client recently where he was just like they're going through this big merger all of these things are falling apart he was just feeling exhausted I was like you need to step away I was like you going away for a weekend and taking some time off and just giving yourself some headspace and focusing on self-care is not going to make any difference in the grand scheme of things. Like a month from now, you're not going to care that you took that time off. Mm -hmm. But if you don't step away and you keep pushing through, things are just going to get worse. So he took the advice. He booked an Airbnb in like a city a few hours away, went there, took a weekend for himself, didn't do any work. Like he went to watch a film he wanted to do. He like made time to get a massage. He took a little bit of time and he came back refocused, And he was able to then feel better and get back into it. So Mm. part of it is just knowing, like, okay, I've been knocked down here Mm. and giving yourself permission just to step back slightly. Like, we all have days where we just feel out of it. And sometimes you just need to be like, do you know what? I need to process this and move through it. And that is just sometimes how you can pick yourself back up rather than just trying to push through in the moment.
1: Yeah. Nah, powerful. Do you journal, Byron?
0: I do the the same tracking form that I use with my clients is something that I do for myself. Mm -hmm. And the reason being, it's essentially just a set of questions that break down how the day went. It forces you to think of, okay, this happened. This is the challenges I face. This is what's going on that I need to be aware of the intentions I need to set and things that are throwing me off my game at the moment. So it's essentially a form of journaling. Mm -hmm. Like I found that's what works for me, but I'm a big advocate of it because I don't think that we take enough time to slow down and process what happens. And uh, just get our thoughts out and really connect mm-hmm. with what's happening. And for a lot of people, like that can be so enlightening to give them clarity on what's really going on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. This idea of, I don't know if you've read books like um, uh, Essentialism, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, uh take a, I think I just read take a day off I think that's what it's called by Bob Maxwell um so there's there's a lot of books out there at the moment about creating rest or as they used to call it in the old Jewish days sabbath I still the Jewish still call it sabbath don't they but that sabbath day that rest day that sort of day where you just unplug and and just take some time out of the schedule one of the things that I've noticed I think um, in myself and in busy entrepreneurs, is the ability to do that is quite tricky and difficult. Just to just to take that sort of day of rest, they're always constantly going at a hundred miles an hour. Um, from your findings, how important um, is rest? And 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 do you are you an advocate of taking that that day, um, or have you got a slightly different practice going on?
0: Yeah, I can't emphasize enough how important it is like it's one of the biggest things that i'm an advocate for and um i actually took this to a little bit of an extreme last year because we've been in this two-year campaign for this book i truth be told coming into last december i was exhausted Mm. like i was been pushing i was like i need a break so i actually booked a trip to cancun and i made the commitment that i was going to leave my phone at home Mm-hmm. So I essentially went away. And in total, I took 17 days off where I didn't have access to email, social mm-hmm. media, or even my phone. Like my yeah. girlfriend stored her phone with her. So had like we, there were emergencies and stuff, sure. we had all that. But I found for the first time in 10 years, I actually switched off. Like it was really uneasy for the first few hours. But yeah. after that, I just felt so relaxed. Like I stopped worrying about problems. I, instead of thinking I'd work constantly, I'd regularly have periods where I think, oh, I haven't thought about work for a few hours this has never happened before. Like I stopped <laughs> worrying about problems and things going on. I was actually connected, I was having mm. fun, and it was the best thing I've ever done for my mental health. Mm. And since then, one of the negotiable, non-negotiables coming into this year that I made is having a tech-free Saturday where turn the phone off, disconnect. Like. Truth be told, it hasn't been fully as strict in the last couple of weeks just because of the book campaign and getting ready. But once this is done, it's something that I will mm. like go back to. And we also have a non-negotiable week where we go on adventure day Saturdays and we'll go and explore, we'll try something new, like just get out the house. Mm-hmm. And it's something I, I really advocate for of just getting off the phone, like get away from social media, get off email. And just go and enjoy life. Like that yeah. mental break is often what you need to have your greatest ideas. Yeah. Like so often you don't get the inspiration when you sat there trying to force it out, but when you take a step back and you allow yourself to process and think, that's when you get your real breakthroughs. Yeah. And your body just needs it. Like from a longevity standpoint, you need mm. that time to unwind. So yeah, something like I can't like push more as an idea. I'm such a big like, advocate and proponent of it.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Tech Free Saturdays. I came across a study uh, last week. Uh, I was looking at um, this idea of the family meal, you know, the shared family meal. I was really curious to see what the impact of that is because both in the UK and in the US, uh, I think like 50, 60% of people think the family meal, the shared family meal of an evening is super important, right, we're gonna have the, the evening meal. Um, Of course, in places like France and Italy, these meals can go on for like an hour, two hours. I mean, it's a whole, you know, it's a whole experience that we don't typically do in the UK or the US. Um, And so, it's becoming less and less of an event. There was a study done in 2019 in Australia, um, where they discovered that if you had a shared family meal. Without, and this was the important thing, you had to not have screen. You couldn't have a shared family meal in front of the TV and you couldn't have your phone at the table, right? So no screens. But if you had um, a shared family meal where you connected, uh, there was a drop in the divorce rate of 30%. Now, this is a phenomenal number when you think about, you know, how to reduce the likelihood of divorce by 30% just eat a meal together for at least 30 minutes and don't have your phone or TV on. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's that it's that connection and that switching off, but connecting with those around you, those that you love, seems to have quite a big impact on your mental health, on your marriage, uh, on your relationship with your kids. It's a big deal, right? Yeah. I haven't seen that study, but
0: I 100% believe it. Mm. Like Because in the digital world, we're more connected than ever, but we're also more disconnected because we're not like spending quality time with people around us. I've got a CEO that I started working with recently. Like this is one of his big problems because he's running like a growing company in the UK, but they're like, I've got a presence in 26 countries. So it's a global business on multiple time zones. So he's just never switching off. And he's found that he's been disconnected from his kids. Like even when he's there, he's like mentally checked out and attached to his phone. And then he sees them on their devices all the time. And he's like, how can I tell them to get off their device if I'm yeah. online? So yeah. one of the things that we actually, when we started working together was he said a new non-negotiable Monday to Thursday, they have family meal time at the table and phones have to be left in the other room. Mm-hmm. And he said it's just been transformative for his relationship mm-hmm. with his wife and his kids because they're mm-hmm. there and they're talking and they're engaged. And then on the weekends, they can do what they want. They can yeah. go out for dinner. Mm-hmm. They can watch a movie together, whatever it is. but. It's just finding that balance. Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And that's why I love the Monday to Thursday way mm-hmm. of setting that up is then you still feel like you can have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's something I uh, like advise to so many clients I work with that just have more opportunities to leave your phone away. Mm-hmm. Like put it in another room, turn it off. Like the world's not gonna fall apart if you aren't available for thirty minutes. Whereas your relationship could completely transform there if you do that yeah. daily because yeah. with like running a business like the people around you feel neglected like when mm. it's obviously it's your big passion your purpose and it's what takes up most of your headspace if you don't set those boundaries it's something's going to give and that's yeah. why i said earlier like the biggest boundary you have to set is with yourself it's like mm. making a decision of these are the things that matter to me what's getting in the way and what can i do to remove it so that i can focus on that quality time not quantity because time is a scarce resource, mm-hmm. but making sure the time that you do have is really uh, connected and actually effective.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. But listen, I'm aware of time, so what I'm gonna do is take a slightly different tact. I'm gonna turn to the question box. Done, done, <laughs> done. So uh, this is where I'm gonna flick through the questions. You are gonna tell me when to stop. Wherever I stop, that's gonna be the question that we ask. Stop. Okay. Ooh, moment of truth. Moment of truth. So, um, this is a question that's been asked before. Uh, Caroline Polson asked this one, actually, uh, in her episode. For you, what would be a good death?
0: Probably going in my sleep, not knowing what happened. I think one of the things that really terrifies me is like the health problems we have and having like an extended thing of just being really sick for a long period of time so yeah just having a peaceful one where no real pain or not knowing what happened like I think that's probably that's something all of us oh yeah I'd be surprised if that wasn't most people's answer but you know we have a grim way to end
1: it. <laughs> it is. I think it's a fascinating question. I, I'm trying to write yeah. my brain to, to remember how Caroline answered the question because I think it's a really fascinating question when you – because, again, this is coming back to something you said earlier. When I, when I get to the end of my life, um, you see, what, the way you've answered it, I would, I would say is a good way to die. I don't know if I'd say that's a good death. I think for me a good death would be looking back over my life going, I gave it a good shot. Um, yeah. you know, and, you, and you've sort of, wh- whenever that is, whenever, you know, whenever God calls time out on, on this time on earth, I look back and I go, you know what, I gave it a good shot. I loved my wife. I loved my kids. I worked hard, but I enjoyed as much as I could about life, you know, and I think, and I think, um, I think for, and I, I sort of feel like I, I, I did whatever I was put on here to do. I think for me, it would be bad if... If i look back and go i should have dot 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 do you know what i mean and, and just have a, a list I'll of actually changed
0: my answer on now and then because um, <laughs> this is ultimately yeah i was just thinking of like how would i want to go <laughs> but yeah like like ultimately with the new book like this is the message behind it because what i talk about in the final chapter is like after my own journey of transformation and my dad's cancer and everything that i went through Like, I had this realization that the harsh reality is far too many people are going to wake up at 65, they're going to look back at the life that they could have lived and the chances they didn't Mm. take, and they're going to be thinking, what if? Mm. And that's why, for me personally, what scares me more than failure, than rejection, than not getting it right, is regret. Yeah, And that's why the whole purpose of the book is to push someone to a point where they start going for the things that they want to create a life where they don't reach the end of their days wishing they did things differently. Because mm. I don't know if you've seen it, but there was that study done on the five regrets of the dying where they were asking. Yes, that, I did. Kind of, Incredible yeah, stuff. Uh, people like what's, they look back on the end of their life and all of the things they wish they could do differently. Mm-hmm. And I think putting off your happiness is one thing that all of us do and not going after things we truly want. And yeah, so for me, it's like being able to, and that's, I use that in my everyday now as well. Mm. Cause I was asked recently, like, what does success mean for you? And when I was younger, it was money and finances and states and stuff. But like success for me now is knowing that I spent my days the day that the way that I wanted to, I did work that made a difference. That I help people. That I can go to bed mm. feeling good about how I spent my time with the people I wanted to spend it with. Mm-hmm. I think that's ultimately a fulfilling life, and it's mm. fueled by that fear of regret and not wanting to look back one day and not be able to do it differently. Yeah, yeah. I, it's like I, that's I, a better that's a better answer than going in my sleep pain free. <laughs> <laughs> well, do all
1: of that and then going your sleep pain free is, um, <laughs> uh, is 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 a good way to go. Byron, listen. How do we? Uh, how do we? uh find the book where's a good place to get that way where, where would we buy that if we want to um, so the book's available anywhere that you can get books
0: so whether it's amazon Barnes and noble waterstones like if they sell books you can get a copy you there or you can find out more on my website ByronMorrison.com. and i'm also really active on social media like linkedin and instagram just search for author byron morrison i put out mm-hmm. daily content and videos and everything else on taking control of your life
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. We will, of course, link to all of those, Byron, in the show notes as well, which you can get along for free at pushtobemore.com. Or if you subscribe to the newsletter, that's going to be coming straight to your inbox, uh, which is good news. Byron, listen, thanks for coming on the show, man. And thanks for sharing some of the insights from your book. Loved, loved, loved that conversation um it's so uplifting and you you just come away feeling inspired and that actually life can be different and um you know we can do some pretty good stuff so love it appreciate it and i wish you every success with the book too buddy thanks for having me on today Nice, great. Huge thanks again to Byron for joining me today. Also a big shout out to today's show sponsor, Orion Media. If you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. now be sure to follow push to be more wherever you get your podcasts from because we've got yet more great conversations lined up and i don't want you to miss any of them and in case no one has told you yet today dear listener let me be the first to tell you you are awesome yes you are created awesome it's just a burden you have to bear byron has to bear it i've got to bear it You've got to bear it as well. Now, Push To Be More is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bain on Estella Robin and Tanya Hutzalak. Our theme music is by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or the show notes or get any of those links, head to the website PushToBeMore.com. Dot com. That's it from me. That's it from Byron. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.